It's the 8th of September, 2020, and I'm reading a news article that I've come upon on Reddit. And this is a police brutality story coming from the U.S. in the state of Utah, in the capital city of Salt Lake City. And by the time you're hearing this, maybe this becomes big news. I'm not sure. This just happened today. The headline is, Police shoot 13-year-old boy with autism several times after mother calls for help. Lyndon Cameron was recovering in Utah Hospital after suffering injuries to his shoulder, ankles, his intestines, and his bladder. So this is a police shooting, not lethal, fortunately, of a 13-year-old kid. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole article to you. I'm bringing this up on this podcast, uh, I guess because I'm thinking about the current activism movement and how it's contextualized and how we think about it. I guess I will read through parts of this article. I'll skim it out loud if I can, because I want to make a point here. So a 13-year-old boy with autism was shot several times. That's paragraph one. Lyndon Cameron was recovering. Okay, we knew that already too. Golda Barton told KUTV she called 911 to request a crisis intervention team because her son, who has Asperger's syndrome, was having an episode caused by bad separation anxiety. His mother was going to work for the first time in more than a year. So Golda Barton is the mother. No description of her otherwise. This is a quote from her. I said, he's unarmed. He doesn't have anything. He just gets mad and he starts yelling and screaming. He's a kid. He's trying to get attention. He doesn't know how to regulate. They're supposed to come out and be able to de-escalate a situation using the most minimal force possible. Instead, she said, two officers went through the front door of the home and in less than five minutes were yelling, get down on the ground, before firing several shots. He's a small child, she said. Why didn't you just tackle him? So this is a travesty. It's an embarrassment. It's ridiculous. It's not a crime. It's a health issue. And I do believe this is why the hashtag and rally cry at protests is defund the police um, and to a lesser extent abolish the police. I'm not really sure what abolish the police means, to be honest. I don't know what the what that's code for. But defund the police is code for reallocate funds from the police to other social services. And that would make a lot of sense in a case like this, wouldn't it? For trained professionals who understand mental health issues to arrive at this home and de-escalate the situation. To use physical, quote, force, sure, but not deadly force, nothing with a weapon, right? So I read this article, this much at least, and I was reading this, the Reddit comments in response, and this is in our news, which is not as partisan as our politics, but it's still pretty partisan. Reddit leans left, as, do, as does America, really, at least youth culture. Um, and that's I'm basing that on actual populace, not elections. But looking through these... I'm sharing in the outrage that it's like, you know, these cops are idiots. Uh, What are they afraid of when they show up at a house and someone makes a joke like um, being held accountable, which will will never happen. 
you know, and there's all this kind of like piling on on police behavior, like, and it's a valid point. There's this militarization happening in U.S. police departments that I also really disdain. It's just uncalled for. And it makes me wonder why uh, another service uh, couldn't be deployed and where the training is, even to the point of the dispatcher who got this wrong. I mean, how hard is it to say, hey, everybody, uh, all points bulletin or whatever, maybe not all points bulletin. There's a child with mental health issues, um, suffering abandonment issues and needs restraining, maybe taken to the hospital. How hard is that to say? And the fact that police showed up with this kind of intense aggression or, you know, this kind of behavior is the problem with U.S. policing. And I really side with the modern protest movement to reform the police because this is exactly the kind of thing that needs to change. We don't need more 13-year-old kids shot for doing nothing but having a freak out, you know? So this is quite ridiculous. Um, I don't see any other way of really uh, describing the situation. It's very unfortunate. It must be embarrassing for the for the police department. I don't know how they save face here. I don't know what possible excuse they can come up with. I don't know if there should be... I don't know what a punishment looks like in this case where police shoot a 13-year-old kid in his home for doing nothing. I don't know. You know, I, I, th- I think every circumstance does need to be studied on its own because there is... There are only so many through lines we can make when we hear of crazy stories like this. We can talk about training. We can talk about other services, other social services in lieu of policing. And both of those should be described uh, or demanded for in the protest movement. And they're not exactly. The, um, the reallocation of funds is through these really awkward slogans, defund the police, which on its face doesn't really make any sense, or abolish the police, which makes even less sense. Obviously, if you abolish police, you won't have police officers showing up at this house and shooting this boy. So that's good. But then you'll also have a huge spike in crime, which America is seeing this summer, by the way, from every report I've seen. But otherwise, the thing that I think we have to think about with the police is a sort of ambiguous culture of a fraternity culture of of something like toxic masculinity. I don't want to use that phrase here. I don't know how helpful it is, but I'm trying to describe something where aggression is uh, overly, (laughs) I don't even know if it's rampant, but there is too much aggression within police generally in my estimation, there is 
this attitude of saving your partner and hiding maybe the facts, maybe lying on the report, and then maybe your boss or the sheriff or the sergeant or whomever also covering your back and, you know, just describing it as, right, you did what you had to do, you were thinking in the moment. And some of that makes sense. Some of it does make sense. I have I, I have some flexibility with the amount of doubt I can benefit a situation. But this is something that's happening too much. And it happens even more than we even realize. I don't think a lot of these reports are even getting reported. This one is, and I think it's a good one to bring up. Um, and I'll tell you why. And this takes some investigation. I'll read on a little bit more with this article. So it kind of shifts to a broader message here. And this is how it reads. Across the U.S., killings of unarmed civilians by police, especially Americans of color, have raised alarm among community groups and stoked ongoing protests. Many saw law enforcement responses to public health crises often put the mentally ill at risk. It's a really nuanced paragraph written by this journalist for AP, I believe. Um, especially Americans of color is, is inserted as a dependent clause within that sentence. And it, it's, it's unclear to me to what it refers the first part of that sentence is, across the U.S., killings of unarmed civilians by police. And then the last part is, have raised alarm among community groups and stoked ongoing protests. And what I want to know from this writer's point of view is if she or he is using especially Americans of color to describe the U.S. killings of unarmed civilians or to describe the raised alarm among groups and protests. And I'm making that very, very delicate distinction because of facts that I've talked here about before, which are that more white people technically are killed than black people by police. And that's, you know, a dog whistle, I guess. That's what liberals say that I'm doing. Like I'm actually talking to white supremacists or something, which I highly doubt. I don't know how many are out there. and I'm sure they are not listening to this, but maybe they are. Um, they think if I say that, this is like a right-wing talking point and I'm not allowed to say it. And it goes to show this this heightened level of censorship or you know, the boundaries of discussion that we're allowed to have, this Overton window that race must be discussed, but only in one direction. So you'll notice that I have not mentioned the word black or people of color at all until this article finally has. And sure enough, when I'm investigating it, it doesn't say white or anything anywhere. But when I click around from the Guardian to the external sites, the local news reports and whatnot, I finally see a picture of a boy in a hospital and he's white. And I think it's very funny that the news presumes that he's white 
it makes no need it feels no need to distinguish or describe the race of this boy and i wonder if most people might also assume that when reading or if they would assume that he's black my supposition is that given the narrative that the u.s media has been building that of course we think he's black if a police officer is shooting a 13 year old boy that boy must be black but in fact statistically the odds are that he's white just as often as black and actually more and i'm only making that point because i want to make this next point and i do feel like it's important to have those facts behind us the next point is something Coleman Hughes talks about when asked if he supports Black Lives Matter. Coleman Hughes's perspective, which I basically share, is that it's a tricky question because Black Lives Matter, as a movement, is founded on untruths that there is an open that it's open season on killing black folk. That's just not true, but that's the narrative of Black Lives Matter and that the reason it's even called Black Lives Matter is to emphasize what is apparently untrue in the eyes of police, that black lives don't matter. And of course, as good citizens, we must raise our fists and demand that black lives do matter. And that is all well and good. There's nothing wrong with that especially if we are fighting this uh, very malevolent police state, this white supremacist police state against black America, then even more so, it's required that all citizens stand up against that. But the bottom line is that this is not the case. Black people are not disproportionately killed by police okay black people are disproportionately represented in the criminal justice system in the crime stats and in police interactions we can say that and that is already bad and if we can actually just relax for a bit and talk rationally instead of you know sloganeering and uh, demonizing people that think a little differently than the 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 protest line we might think okay there is a problem with um inequalities definitely but right now that's not what we're talking about we're talking about police brutality and the police brutalize everyone the police are out of control to some degree and coleman hughes now to finish his point is that If we want to critique and reform the police, Black Lives Matter is kind of the biggest name in the game. And so, so, so long as we do want police reform, we must support Black Lives Matter. And that's my position. I support Black Lives Matter because I want police reform. I want body cams on every police officer. I want better training of police officers, including hand-to-hand combat and holds that don't kill people i want more responsiveness i want uh i want 
the people in the most danger and risk to have the most protection, which actually is black communities. But the the rub there, the irony, is that it will require more police interaction with criminals. And this is something that America doesn't feel mature enough to face. So, Black Lives Matter is important to support insofar as it is leading the way against the police and reforming the police. But what I find interesting about this article and this story specifically is that this is a white boy that was killed with no link to anything like a crime at all. Breonna Taylor, who was killed while sleeping, as the story goes, was at least, and this is not an excuse at all because her death was a travesty as well. She was at least involved with a criminal element to some degree. She was dating the drug dealers that the police were looking for. Now, that's still innocent in my opinion. And it, the outrage for her death totally makes sense to me. It, you can't lump her in with somebody like Rayshard Brooks, who was resisting arrest and fleeing. You can't lump her in with George Floyd, who was also resisting arrest um, and had a criminal record, right? Breonna Taylor, from what I know, is essentially just an innocent woman at the wrong place at the wrong time. But at least she was, this. you could describe her as being um, linked to a police investigation, if tangentially, as a girlfriend. And that's already bad. But what I dislike about Black Lives Matter and why I don't call the current protest movement Black Lives Matter, because it is bigger than that now, and Antifa has taken it on as their thing, and they represent much more than Black Lives Matter. They're anti-fascist, and their claim is that America is a fascist state, to some degree at least and it's mostly white people. The article continues on in a now racialized manner. Protests erupted in Rochester, New York, after body cam video from March showed police responding to a call about a mental health episode, mocking 29-year-old Daniel Prude and putting a hood on his head. Prude, who was black, died of asphyxiation. Demonstrators in Aurora, Colorado, have sought justice for 23-year-old Elijah McLean, a black man who went into cardiac arrest shortly after a paramedic administered ketamine as police officers responded to a suspicious person report. Body cam footage contains some of McLean's last words. I'm an introvert. I'm just different. That's all. I'm sorry. So it's very interesting to me that this news story must emphasize the race when the person is black, but almost goes out of its way to deny the details when this story is actually about a white boy. Now, I don't really mind. I don't actually mind. And I don't mind for two reasons. One, an, an, an unjust, stupid police interaction is unjust and stupid regardless of race. That's number one. And two, maybe... Again, like Coleman Hughes points out, America only cares when it's a black person. And this is counterintuitive because if we can think back to when Black Lives Matter first originated, 
almost a decade ago, definitely before Trump was elected, leading up during Hillary's campaign, similar to now, but even before that, uh, during Obama's administration, especially around the Trayvon Martin case, the pr- the presumption of Black Lives Matter as a movement was that America doesn't care about black people getting killed. That was the idea. And that's why it's called Black Lives Matter. It's like, hello, everybody, black lives matter. So when a black person dies, we have to care about it. And the irony is that we really do, obviously, most people that I'm talking to that I know can name at least half dozen, if not a dozen, black names who have died at the hands of police. At least. I went to Minnesota, to Minneapolis, where George Floyd was killed, and I saw a long list of names written in chalk of every black person killed by police. It's a very long list. There's no list of white people. There is a case of Tony Timpa, uh, another mental health issue, perhaps with medication, who died by police in a very similar way as George Floyd. He, There's video of it. You can find it if you Google Tony Timpa. I'm doing it now just to check the spelling. T-I-M-P-A. And... There's raw body cam footage of him screaming, you're going to kill me in Dallas as police lean on his his back and, and his neck for even longer than George Floyd, like 10 minutes or more. And he dies there and then on the spot before they even get him into the ambulance. This is a death almost exactly like George Floyd. And nobody knows this person's name. Because he's white. Why would we care of a white guy getting killed? And if I think about this from a media studies point of view and manipulation and propaganda, I might glean from this that people don't really care when white people die. They care when black people die because it enforces a narrative. And that racism... And our current anti-racist movement has a weird effect of working in a way that outrage against corrupt police doesn't work on its own. That's a hypothesis. Maybe we can achieve police reform. And maybe we can only achieve it by obsessing about race. Isn't that weird? We can't achieve it by ignoring race we achieve it by feeling racist ourselves and seeing our institutions as racist fundamentally and wanting to change them because of race even though what we really want to change is irrelevant of race we want to change police tactics we want to change chokeholds we want to change lethal force we want to change how uh, police respond and how timely and with what attitude we want to change the systems that do respond. Instead of police and crime enforcement or uh, crime prevention, health and social services. None of this is related to race. It's all 
independent of who the victims and perpetrators are and what they look like. And yet, we are on the precipice of a countrywide change in policing somehow. Right now, maybe not. Maybe it's more like a um, a war with the police and the police are kind of abstaining from work. I don't know how else to properly describe the high crime rate, not, not to mention the looting and the rioting. But basically, hopefully, we're on the precipice of something like system-wide change throughout various systems in the country. And it seems like we're getting there by focusing on race, that Black Lives Matter is leading the charge to reform police. And I hope they do. I hope we do. But I just find it so funny that when a news agency reports on a story, the race only matters if they're black. I think that's really funny. And I just don't know what to do about that. Going through Reddit, I'm just in agreement of all the comments here. I wanted to read one in particular. Maybe I'll read a couple. This first one that caught my eye was from kind of an expert on this topic. He says this. So I'm crisis prevention intervention and management of aggressive behavior certified, along with a degree in behavioral health specializing in pediatrics. I'm also a pretty big guy. My entire job is literally de-escalating these types of situations. Majority of the time, it does end with going hand-to-hand and physically and or chemically restraining the patient for their and everyone involved's safety and preservation of property. I've safely restrained thousands of combative patients with minimal trauma and damage to them or myself using techniques and training that we are extensively trained and must update our certifications annually. Using any type of weapon at all has never crossed my mind. Once, plus, I would be fired so fast if I so much as thought about throwing a punch, much less using a goddamn firearm. I literally shed a tear reading this article. So that's a good guy. The comment under him says, oh, more of you all over the place, please. Of course. I mean, this is a totally non-controversial stance, and we do need more people like him. The question is, why aren't there more of him, and why isn't he being deployed to this kind of situation? I guess he is generally wherever he is. Um, and the other thing I wanted to read was this kind of manifesto. Somebody kind of just like listed, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this whole thing, but it basically just, it's a bullet point of what we want. End excessive use of force, chokeholds, escalation, end militarization, end qualified immunity, end broken windows policing, end all racist quota, sorry, and all arrest quotas, and racial profiling, and civil asset forfeiture, and private prisons, and no-knock raids, and the drug war, implement treatment, and harm reduction. This goes on and on, and I agree with almost all of that. And, well, I agree with all of that. I just think it's funny that going through the comments section on this news story, of course, everybody is outraged by the same thing, and we can all make those points. But if this 13-year-old boy was black, what would the comment section look like then? I imagine it would be largely the same, but then they would have another level, maybe equal level or maybe more, of focus on race as the problem. 
because if the victim is black, everything can be pointed at that as the reason. And I guess the reason I'm doing this podcast today about this story is that it takes race out of the equation. Police are fucked up and bad things happen. I don't even know the whole story here. I've just read this one article. Maybe, I, I mean, I'm looking forward to hearing the police officer's side, frankly. I, I want to know what they say for themselves. And I want to know how our systems fail like this so that we can stop it. But as I suspect, it's not always about race. In fact, it might never be about race. We have no idea how much it's about race. We have no idea. There's no way to know. There's no way to know how much an interaction with police is racially motivated in the mind of the police officer. And instead of assuming that every cop is a racist, I think we'd be better off assuming that every cop is undertrained and a little too much of a jock or something like that not taking his job seriously enough to protect and serve. And that's the stuff we need to change. I don't even know how you change someone from being not racist, you know? And I don't even think we really care to try that, you know? It doesn't seem like we have any redemption, road to redemption for people that are racist. It's like, you're racist, you are racist 10 years ago, bye, you're fired, you're done, right? So racism is like, Worse than murder, there's no amount of time that can pass that someone will forgive you for being racist. There's no way to not be racist once you're racist, I I guess. I can't really tell about this whole mindset of charging people with racism. But I know police behave badly. I know the persona, the type of person that does that, power-tripping people, um, toxic people, Uh, belligerent assholes and they're assholes to everyone (laughs) they don't to they don't really worry about aiming for just minorities they're jerks to their neighbors potentially i think you get my drift so that's it i just wanted to make this point that policing is problematic in the usa and it needs reform. And I'm really cheering for Black Lives Matter to attain that reform. And I'm really hoping that Joe Biden can oversee that reform. And I'm kind of laughing at Donald Trump for <laughs> suggesting that he might be able to do something when in fact he is the president right now and isn't doing jack squat. He's sending federal troops into Portland and they're not even able to contain it. So... Trump is full of hot air from what I can tell, but I do think that the nation needs to calm down a bit. I hope that Joe Biden wins and does take the temperature down. I think if Donald Trump wins, things will get worse, and I don't know what he might be compelled to do from an authority point of view, from a a position of authority. That's all pretty scary to think about. And yeah, I would like to have talked about this entire story today without mentioning race at all because 13-year-old boy having a panic attack at home 
and gets shot multiple times <laughs> is like an outrageous enough story, isn't it? But I wanted to contextualize it in our current movement because I think it does reveal some other truths going on, both about policing and about the media and about how we as citizens form ideas and opinions and narratives around all this. I'll leave it there. Until next time, ciao.